Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, here is Pastor James Myers. Alright, so today we're finally going to get to law of non-contradiction. From now on, let's just call it law of contradiction. Uh, that'll make it easier. Um, and actually, I wanted to take more detours, but I decided let's just go ahead and get to this. Um, so, it, we, remember we briefly looked at this two weeks ago. Uh, but contradiction, this is the etymological derivation. It comes from the Latin. Contra means against. Dicto really means to speak or dictate or, or to write. So it's really against speaking. And we'll look at another word that's kind of more in, more in line with, uh, with really the essence of contradictions. It, it, it's antinomy, but we'll look at that here in a second. Uh, contra, one of my favorite um, theologians from back in the day, uh, before the Nicene Creed, so like in the 300s, uh, his name was Athanasius. He really went against um, the world in a lot of ways uh, in the Arian controversy. Arius was a guy who was saying uh, Christ uh, really just came in the flesh, and like uh, so, there was a time that he was not. He he said that he wasn't. You know, he's not an eternal God. And Athanasius uh, went against him, and Constantine and actually had actually. Uh, uh, expelled him from Rome, and he was isolated for a time, brought back, but uh, on his tombstone, they, they wrote Contra Mundum, so Athanasius against the world, and I love that, <laughs> I love that hard, love that very much, um, so yeah, Contra Dicto, um, so there, there are a few theories of logic, um, and so one of the only ones, are, one of the other ones I really wanted to uh, introduced to y'all because it goes into relativism. So uh, the law of non-contradiction or the law of contradiction, remember the basic formula is A cannot equal A and non-A at the same time in the same relationship. Remember we thought of the father and the son and all that kind of thing. Uh, So uh, Hegel came out with, came up with what's called the dialectical uh, theory of knowledge, which is basically you take two opposite poles of, of an idea, so, and, and so you have a thesis and you have an antithesis, and you bring those, those together and they, they create a synthesis. And Hegel really said the history uh, of, well, all of history is really those, that, that kind of uh, a structure. So you have, an, uh, you have a thesis, you have an antithesis, you bring them together, you form a thesis, which, or synthesis, which forms a thesis, which spawns an antithesis, bring those together, it's, an, it's a synthesis, which spawns a thesis, <laughs> and so he just said it's, it's a his, the, the history of the world, really. And, and so that's where we, we really got uh, Marxism from. Uh, Hegel was, a, was very close to Karl Marx. So that's the dialectic, you know, they take the employer and the employee, bring them together, and you have a classless society. Interestingly, they never show you one. Uh, but uh, so it's basically a both and. You take two opposite sides of the spectrum, you bring them together, and so you, you, it's not always an either this or that. To illustrate this, I'm going to use... Um, one of Ravi Zacharias's uh, stories, and I'm gonna have to talk to y'all about Ravi later, uh, but we'll do that after the the recording. Um, but he he, uh, like I said, he used to go to different forums, uh, in particular universities, and he had gone to this one university and ta- and preached on the exclusivity of Christ, so Christ as the only way to God. And this uh, professor had gotten all upset, and and he you know went and 
kind of addressed uh, Ravi and was like, you know, I can't believe this. You know, this is this is a hogwash. You know, you don't understand. Uh, and now Ravi Zacharias is actually from India. He was born and raised in India. And this professor, this Western professor, was saying, you don't understand. You know, this is a Western way of thinking. This either this or that. The law of contradiction. It, but you know, as an Easterner, it's really the dialectic. It's a both and system. You 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 can you know, you really don't come into maturity, and we'll look at them here in a second, um, unless you can uh, really um, understand and apply both, uh, both sides of a contradiction, all right? So, and, so, you know, he was like, uh, basically, he challenged Ravi to uh, speak in front of the whole class about why he wasn't, or why he uh, wasn't an atheist, or why he wasn't a Hindu, or wasn't really about this specific religion, we'll call it religion X, because he didn't get really specific, um, but, so, long story short, he didn't, he didn't really want to do that, he decided, uh, let's just go out to dinner, I'll pray, you pay, and we'll eat. So, they go out to dinner, and the other guy brought a psychiatrist with him, I don't really know why, uh, anyway, and this guy, you know, the professor, is going all crazy, he's, he's, he's telling him, so, this is, this is really the Eastern way of thinking, and, you know, he's drawing all this stuff, and, and he says, you know, in the West, it's either this or that, but in, in you know in the East it's in it's a both and and Robbie had a problem with that it didn't matter it just kept on going um, and then so finally the the professor you know was finally done and all this kind of a thing uh, both of the other gentlemen had already kind of finished eating and, and so finally he got done this is a, probably a terrible way of telling the story but anyway uh, he finally got done and, and Robbie was like may I finally say something may I speak and, you know he says yes so he says. So you're telling me when I think when I have to think as an Eastern person, I either use the both and or nothing else. Is that right? So I either take I either use this system of logic from the East or nothing else. Is that right? And the guy, you know, kind of dropped his fork and he says, "Well, the law of contradiction does seem to emerge, doesn't it?" Because what he was doing was arguing for the both and using the law of contradiction. So it's either the both and or this. Does that make sense? Or nothing else. See, he's, he's saying that this is the theory of logic that, that, we, that, sh that we should embrace, but it's either this or nothing else. So he's using the law of contradiction to defeat the law of contradiction. You'll see that happens all the time. Uh, where this applies definitely in our day is relativism. Uh, the early, there were two early 20th century um, theologians, these are Swiss theologians, Karl Barth and Emil Brunner. After David Hume, who is a scientist who we'll look at later, and uh, Immanuel Kant, who is also a scientist we'll look at much later, but a lot of skepticism emerged again. After, uh, after um, Descartes had, uh, had passed and these two men came on the scene, there, were a lot of, there was a lot of skepticism, and these two gentlemen really... In, with, within the Christian church encouraged, basically said, a Christian doesn't come to maturity until he can embrace both sides of a contradiction, which is nonsense. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say you're a Christian once you can embrace both sides of a contradiction. I say you're an insane person. <laughs> if you can, uh, but, so relativism is really the theory of there are no absolutes, or there is no, there is no such thing as an absolute truth. Now, can anybody tell me what the problem is with that? I know you can, so you don't count. <laughs> anybody else? There, are, there is no such thing as absolute truth. 
this goes into when, you know, people are saying, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth, as long as you be believe sincerely, that's your truth. So, the, the statement, there are no absolutes, is an absolute statement. If there are no absolutes, then this is absolutely wrong. <laughs> you know, it, again, it falls by its own weight, and we'll see that more and more as we go along too. But, so, I mean, that's easily, but you see this, especially in our culture, and it's, it's important that we understand that, the, what undergirds our time. So we are finally going to consider the Trinity somewhat in, in, the, in the context of the law of uh, contradiction. Um, remember, though, remember what that says, is A cannot equal A and non-A at the same time in the same relationship. And there are many philosophers, many uh, learned uh, people who really attack the Trinity on this point, because basically they're saying, you're saying you have one God, and one God and at the same time you have, you're saying you have three gods. At same, now that would be a contradiction if that was the if that was the um, uh, theology if that was the the principle that uh, of the Trinity the doctrine of the Trinity that would be um, a contradiction. However, we say God is, God is one in essence or substance or being, and He's three in person. We will look at the Trinity. We'll have a we'll probably have a separate uh, deal with that. The Trinity. Well, we'll get to that here in a second. So, one in essence, or being, and three in person. So, again, uh, one in one way. So, if we were to say God is one in essence and three in essence, that's a contradiction. If we were to say God is one in person and three in person, that's a contradiction. The Muslims will always point out that, you know, one plus one plus one is three. They, they say we're polytheists because we, we worship three gods when we really don't. Uh, so they go one plus one plus one is three. Where, you know, really the formula of one times one times one is actually the, the more proper uh, formula for the Trinity, if you want to put it that way. So these are two, three different, we'll look at this another time. It's contradiction, which is what we've been looking at, which that is not. Paradox. The, tr the doctrine of the Trinity is really a paradox. The etymological derivation of, uh, of this is para. It really means to go alongside of, to throw some, so like para, uh, parabaleos, uh, parabaleos. I don't remember what it is, but that's a parable. So uh, Christ would teach something and then uh, tell a story to kind of, th to illustrate it, to kind of throw alongside of his teaching. Uh, so that's what para is. Doc is, is a doke. Um, it's basically one thing, one, that's hard to explain, <laughs> but it's uh, basically one um, person, one uh, idea. Yeah, I should have looked at that again. However, anyway, a paradox is really something that you, do, you can't fully understand, uh, but it's not a contradiction, okay? So that's really what the doctrine of the Trinity is. So we want to make it clear to people who are, saying, who are suggesting that the Trinity is in contra contradiction that we are not saying God is one and three at the same time and in the same relationship. He is one in one way and he is three in another. And, it, and the Trinity is a beautiful thing. The Trinity is actually not uh, spelled out in the Bible. There is no word Trinity in the Bible. What, what, what scholars and theologians did in the early church until... Uh, um, Dang it. Uh, Tertullian. Uh, Tertullian was the first one who coined the phrase uh, Trinity, which is really a tri-unity. It's a unity within three kind of a thing, or three in a unity. Uh, but the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible. What, what people were seeing 
was the 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 Trinity in the Bible, and then kind of figuring that out, considering it um, um, like that. So that's all we're gonna do today. But does that make sense regarding the the Trinity? This is a very easily defensible thing. Uh, the Trinity itself, the doctrine of the Trinity, again, is a paradox. It's somewhat of a mystery, but we'll we'll consider it um, some other time. Um, so we'll let's consider one contradiction first. Remember the temptation in the garden. Uh, God had said, you know, uh, you may freely eat of all the trees of the garden, except, you know, you can't eat this tree. Uh, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the serpent comes along and says specifically, you will not surely die. Now, <laughs> Adam and Eve knew <laughs> the law of contradiction. They were, they were not fallen yet, and they knew one was right and one was wrong. And Eve was compelled by the serpent. Uh, but it wasn't... So, if it's a both-and thing, you know, and, and God comes along and says, in the, day of it, you shall sh in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then the serpent comes along and says, in the day of it, you shall sh not surely die. Well, we are actually... If this is true, we're not only uh, morally compelled to listen to the serpent, but we're actually uh, morally mandated, morally obligated. If this system is true, and we have to embrace both sides of a contradiction, when God says don't do something, then we should not do it, and we should do it. So it makes this, the doctrine and any, any truth of God unintelligible. It's nonsense. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that speaks clearly. So, I mean, the Bible is also not a textbook on philosophy, you know, but it takes it uh, um, as it is, basically. It takes it uh, and uses it, and basically it's implied that you already know it. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No man is a universal negative. That means nobody. So it's a, it's a universe. This I call is a particular exemption, except okay. So no man comes to the Father except through me. The uh, contradiction to that would be everybody comes to the Father except, through, or everybody comes to the Father, and it doesn't really matter uh, through me. So it's important that we 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 understand the necessity of the law of contradiction because if. If, again, if we take both sides of this, no man comes to the Father except through me, then we would also have to embrace the fact that everybody comes to the Father aside from Christ. Okay? So this, it's imperative that we understand this, and I understand this seems elementary, and some of this seems abstract, but, but it's, in, it, it, it's essential, especially in the, in the realm of apologetics, to, uh, to understand this, and in your, your own Bible study. Um, the principle of verification is really, scientists, uh, this is really what David Hume kind of spelled out. He started with David Hume anyway. Again, we'll look at him um, some other times. So he, some other time, so he, they basically came up to, with the thing, uh, only statements which can be empirically verified or true. So empirically means scientifically or through experimentation. Can anybody tell me what's wrong with that statement? Uh, only statements which can be empirically verified are true. <clears throat> what does empirically mean? 
means scientifically or through experimentation. So scientifically proven. And you're asking what's What's wrong with this statement? Only statements which can be empirically verified are true. That statement can't be empirically verified. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's self-refuting. You'll see this all the time. Just like that. Yep, just like that. There are no absolutes. Oh, I heard red flag. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll see this a lot, especially in our day. A lot of, a lot of statements that are supposed to be profound are absolute nonsense. Uh, I mean, this, again, these two um, in themselves uh, defeat themselves. Um, and so that's really all we're going to look at uh, as it relates to the law of contradiction uh, for today. Again, this is this is leading into other particular uh, uh, um, sessions we'll be looking at. But this is to uh, introduce it, and we'll we'll be looking at um, the the elements of it um, uh, in particular as time goes on. Uh, but I wanted to kind of conclude this session to um, lead into the next. Um, uh, a, uh, a Scottish, a 20th century Scottish uh, politician and writer, uh, his name is um, uh, Andrew Fletcher. Uh, he's, he's attributed to saying, let me write the songs of a nation and I care not who writes their laws. Now, he really said something like that. Uh, Plato is actually attributed with saying that too and I've read a lot of Plato, I've never seen that. Um, so, we're going to say it's Andrew Fletcher. <laughs> what he was saying though is, you know, no laws... No, no government institutions, no politician can change the morals and the mores of a people or of a culture. Music, arts, is, how, is really how you win men's hearts, really how you win people's hearts. I mean, songs shape us. Now, I won't say that's categorically true. I won't say that's uh, you know, absolute in and of itself, but it is true. The arts, uh, entertainment, uh, um, movies, uh, shows, uh, any of that kind of stuff really shape uh, our, our moral framework and really our epistemological framework. And that's really what I want to get into here. Um, we're, as we move over to there, uh, uh, over to our Bible study, I want us to notice, first of all, in our day, we are so used to instant gratification, visual gratification, whereas in times past that wasn't a thing. You had to use your mind, you had to use your imagination, and we've lost that. So we, we, we've gotten kind of conditioned to look on the outside, to only observe on the outside, and never really, like I said last week, consider ourselves or wonder at ourselves and, and really consider and think internally as opposed to externally and we'll get into that more to go along. But I do have, go ahead. What do you think, what would have happened if Eve didn't, or hadn't had eaten the fruit? Well, if you want the honest answer, now that's a huge philosophical question. Uh, there are many who believe that God creating uh, everything good and giving man freedom and autonomy uh, in other words, he's not a puppet master, uh, so just doing that opens the opportunity, opens the, the occasion, opens the possibility of going against him. So I'd have to say that eventually it would have happened anyway. Uh, I, I mean, that would be 
um, the simplest, and it seems like a cop-out, but we can talk more about that um, some other time. And we will get into that um, uh, even in this class, uh, which has to do really with the moral argument uh, for the case of God. Anything else? Thank you for listening to CFIR Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue into the Word of God.